Have you gone through one day yet? <laughs> yeah, it's Thursday. How much coffee? Wednesday. How much coffee do you drink? Well, I'm down to where I drink about a half a pot a day. I used to drink easily two pots a day, but still a half a pot, and you you stopped cold turkey on half. Are you are you taking any other caffeine? No, I gave up everything but water for Lent. Uh, and everything but You're water not gonna eat? to drink. I'll oh, eat okay. whatever meals are there. <laughs> Just, I thought you are like, Bill I'm Gill, you're a, you're a breatharian. <laughs> I'm going full out Jesus here. <laughs> Good one. I There was a Barney Miller where uh, there was a guy on a hunger strike. And he, he was talking to someone. He said something like, I don't need food. And, you know, Arthur Dietrich, this mm-hmm. smart guy, he's over on the side. He says, oh, you're a breatharian. He said, huh? He said, breatharians believe that everything the body needs can be obtained from the air we breathe. And the guy kind of took a deep breath. He goes, don't feel yourself. <laughs> or don't don't stuff yourself. Don't stuff yourself. <laughs> All right. We ready? I'm ready. Hey, folks. Welcome to a podcast about Catholic things. This is Eric, the Ambassador of Common Sense, and I'm here with... Dan, the Ambassador of Nonsense. Welcome, everyone. And we are one day into Lent. I feel like such a uh, a wimp. I don't know. You're telling me that you gave up coffee and a whole bunch of other things, but the coffee alone, uh, like... Eight years ago, I tried giving up coffee, cold turkey. Um, How long did it last? <laughs> I I made it for the first week, but that first day that was so bad that um, I threw up about three times oh. from <gasps> just from the pain that I was in. I had That's some I've never addiction. imagined. Yeah, I'm. I guess I probably drink about two and a half pots a day. I don't drink anything else. Oh, that is your drink. That's what I drink. I I imagine if I... Now, if I started weaning myself and drinking other things, then I guess it wouldn't be so hard. But I, I would have to do that first, I think. Well, I don't... <laughs> I, should, I should do it, but I don't. Here's the thing. No, I, I don't think you need to feel like a wimp for not doing it. Uh, the fact is caffeine doesn't affect me the way it affects other people. Uh-huh. Um, uh, for, oh gosh, I think every, as long as I've been married, um, I've been giving up coffee for Lent every year. Uh, and, and some of those years it's been like, you know, my standard, uh, intake is, is pot and a half, two pots a day. Um, and I've never well, had a problem with it. You, you don't, you don't even get it. You don't have a caffeine headache right now. I don't, no, I don't get caffeine headaches. When I stop doing caffeine, that that's what I'm saying. Caffeine doesn't affect me the same way. It it doesn't put me in that mode where I'm going to get a headache or anything like well, that. Well, tell me this. So let's say your standard is a pot and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have some days in the week where you don't drink it? No, not if if I did, it would be like like Saturday because there's not time to drink it because i'm always doing stuff on saturday okay but that would be enough that would be it that would be enough to to make to your make body 
not expect that, that like, cup yeah, every maybe single that's morning. It. Maybe that's it. Taking a break of one or two days, either per week or even per couple weeks, will actually... It's what I should be doing all along. I shouldn't, I shouldn't survive entirely on coffee. But, um, see, I gave up. I'm not, I'm embarrassed to say what I gave up. <laughs> I gave up candy. You know what? I gave <laughs> like up a little s- kid. <laughs> you know what? I, I tell you what, giving up candy can be doggone hard sometimes. <laughs> But I, I think I've talked before about my terrible eating habits. Like, there will be days that the only thing I eat is candy. Oh, okay. Cause I, especially if I'm on the road and it's like, I'll think, uh, sh- I should stop and get a burger or something, but I, I'm in a hurry and I don't feel like doing that. So when I go to the gas station, I'll get like two or three candy bars and then I'll do that again. Two, three hours later while I'm still driving. So it's like really the only thing I've eaten that day is like eight, nine candy bars. <laughs> That's just stupid. Especially when your, your standard of eating something healthy is a burger on the road. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I'm really in a healthy mood, I'll stop and get Subway. Yeah. Well, the problem is things that are really healthy to eat, they're hard to eat in the car. Yeah. Even a Subway's hard to eat in the car. I yeah, have to tell them, I mean. can you wrap that in two different things so that, you know. Kind of round wrap bit at a time. <laughs> yeah, because if you, if they wrap it all in one and you're trying to, you're at the end of the first half, but not into the second half, man, it mm-hmm. gets everywhere. Yeah. It's all over your lap and it's nonsense. You know what? We never do this. We never chit chat. I know. Before, but like, it is we need the to first, get on it. But it is the first yeah. week of Lent. So, all right. Okay. Topic. So it's kind of a weird. I'm not, even, I'm not even sure how to put it into words. But we're talking about industries and how they change over time. Number one, because of technology. But also because of, say, corporate interests and corporate uh, monopolization of industries. And I think, I guess my final thing is that it, it's not something people really need to be afraid of. Yeah. Uh, the, the changes that happen and seem to happen organically. Now, when government interferes, I'm going to turn my volume down here because I'm seeing... Looks like I'm really loud. Some cutoffs. When government interferes, all kinds of bad things happen. Um, and it, it really messes up the system. But in just normal, organic, free market, um, industries, it's, it's not something people really have to be afraid of. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's really, it, it, it's government interfering, um, or, a lot of times when when we talk about government interfering, what you're really seeing is that it's the government interfering at the behest of and to the benefit of the very, the, the very same large corporations that people are saying these are why the yeah. government needs to interfere. Yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah. They don't – people who, who call for government interference in industries – 
um, don't realize they're being duped anyway. But that's that's not really our topic. Our topic is more take the government out of it. What is the natural course that things usually take as long as these large corporations don't resort to uh, like thuggery and stuff like that? Right. And I, I think my industry, um, is a good example because while there, there, here and there, there is some interference, uh, from stupid idiotic laws or EPA laws. There really hasn't been much. For example, your toner for your copier. Isn't it weird how the EPA never came down with any kind of regulations on what you can do with it? Yeah. I, I always expected there to be some kind of law that would keep, uh, cartridge refillers, uh, from refilling toner cartridges. And that never happened. And your waste toner, cause when you use a copier, there's some of the toner doesn't get used and it gets collected in a, in something. And that's your waste toner cartridge. That just gets thrown away. It's, it's not, and it's, it's not a harsh chemical, but it's one you would expect the government to take in, to take interest in. And, uh, it's one that would be easy to convince the public that they need to take interest in. Because when you look at it, it's got all this black powder. It looks dangerous. It's not, but it looks it. Yeah. But I'm going back to even before copiers, um, <clears throat> Back in our father's day of typewriters, you know, uh, even starting from the forties, but let's say fifties, sixties, um, typewriters were sold at typewriter shops or office supply shops. Um, and those shops often hired technicians who would work on the typewriters and people would bring their typewriters in, and eventually that kind of developed into an industry of groups of men who would go to offices and work on your typewriter. But, you know, it's weird that typewriters typewriters didn't, like, fade into computers. That didn't really happen. Typewriters kind of faded before computers came on the scene. You know, when Xerox copiers were there, yeah. Typewriters were not being used that much. I don't know what happened to them. They were st- you might find one in every office, but they weren't they weren't at every desk, put it that way. And at one time they were at every desk. Right. I I wonder if it has something to do with say first of all uh Xerox copiers being able to take what you have and copying it so not needing carbon paper and stuff like that. Um, but also, uh, it being easier and easier to obtain, uh, forms that you would just fill out, you know? Oh, so it was a lot faster to be able to, to do what you needed to do typing. You, you didn't have to do as much typing and you could get away with maybe one or two secretaries having typewriters, not everybody. Right. But, uh, regardless, as you know, there were a lot of typewriter repairmen and, um, then suddenly copiers came on the scene and you remember the old copiers, you had that thermal paper. Um, those were the first ones I remember dad working on. And I, I remember he brought, he would bring home one every once in a while 
to work on yeah, it. I would get so excited. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, he would let us copy, you know, paint, like... <clears throat> Whatever, it's stupid stuff. Yeah, it just... But that was... Most people didn't get a chance to do that, and we got a chance to do that. Um, did you ever... Did you ever copy your butt? <laughs> Not on... No. <laughs> I was afraid to. I was no. afraid I... Because those were the kind where the, the glass moved, you know? Oh, and it's like if it breaks while you're sitting on it, then you got to explain yeah, that's gonna how hurt. you got cut there. <laughs> Um, but then that gave way to zero graphic technology where you could just take a regular piece of paper, any piece of paper and make a copy of a, a pretty good looking copy of your original. Um, but those got to be in every single office. Yeah. And so all those guys who used to work on typewriters, and maybe a little bit in between there, things like mimeograph machines and stuff like that um, yeah, eventually were, became copier. They were kind of halfway because the, the the mimeograph, I mean, there was a time when, when even if you had a copier, you still wanted like a fluid duplicator or a mimeograph or something like that because uh, the mimeograph was, was um, sort of like a little, uh, what, tabletop. Printing like a press. Printing press. Yeah, they were awesome. And they ran fast compared to the early copiers. Right. The earlier copiers were dog slow. Yeah. So you can make a huge stack of forms or whatever it is you needed. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the thing about copiers is that the zero graphic copier, it was around for a long time. And it was during that time when it went from being, say, an office supply store to what they would call dealerships. You had to, the thing was, not every, not all of them were like this, but generally, in order to sell copiers, you had to have a, some kind of relationship with the manufacturer. And you would get, you would not only be able to buy the equipment, but you would be able to send your technicians to their school to learn how to fix them and get things like parts and service manuals, things like that. So let me ask this, and I don't know because this, the, the, the history of this would have, would have been a little bit before our time, but co- yeah. copiers didn't start out that way, right? They kind of did. Oh, okay. So they're, they're kind of, cause I like, mean, there, there was a little letters. bit of like Xerox, Xerox is its own animal and Xerox you didn't well, yeah. have Xerox dealers. I mean, the Xerox graphic became sort of the the standard. In fact, it, yeah, that's it, it. So much so that it it became a a verb. You'd say I'm going to Xerox this. Yeah, you know, here go rocks this. Um, yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't say go Canon this or go <laughs> yeah, Savin this. Right. <laughs> but but it, yeah, other than Xerox, mm-hmm. to sell a copier, you had to have some kind of. Uh, relationship with the manufacturer dad was an independent technician but right um i I can't begin to tell you how hard his job was as an independent tech because i'm an independent tech and i have so many tools at my disposal that he did not have um for example if i run into a problem i pop online all the time and talk to other technicians, say, hey, have you ever heard of this? And 
uh, I get direction pretty easily. Or mm-hmm. usually you find the problem that somebody else had and the solution is right there with forums and stuff like that. He didn't have that. No. He was on his own. He was on his own. Um, Sometimes he, he went to uh, trainings on one type of machine or another. If if he could get one of the people who used him as a technician to, to send pay it. for it. Yeah, that's that that was always the thing. So um, like a dealer might not have enough business to hire their own technician and they would hire him and he would work for them part time and he could get some training that way. Um manuals, that's another thing. I mean, if I really want a manual, a service manual, I'll find it. I'll get away I'll get it somehow. Yeah. But back then they had to be printed or they were on microfish. And um there was there were a couple technicians like Dad who were independent techs and who would find ways of obtaining the service manuals. And then they would they would take all the important information and combine them into one giant book. Mm-hmm. So you'd have this book and it'd have sharp, canon, whatever, all the service codes and the error codes and stuff like that. You could and it costs it costs some money. And he I remember those books because like he knew that technicians like dad would like buy them and then maybe make a copy of them and oh, sell them again. Right. But so he would print them on real dark purple paper with black print. So you, so, you couldn't so you really make a good it. print a copy of it. <laughs> but they were they were lifesavers, you know? Yeah. But most technicians back then worked for a dealership. And that's that's how most of the business happened. It was and most dealerships would say sell two or three different brands. You sell Canon and Rico or Sharp and a couple of, you know. Uh I don't know why you would focus on more than one brand, but most people did. Um and I think I guess it was like the late nineties uh, you would go to a city and there would be, you know, maybe five or six in a decent sized city. There'd be five or six dealers there who okay. sold various machines. Right. And one or two of these companies started popping up that I don't know where they got their money, but what they decided was that they were going to buy out every single dealer. They weren't going to grow their business like all these dealers had. They were just going to buy dealers and. And so they're buying customers, really. Right. And they would combine and, and form these giant dealerships. Uh, I think the name of one was Icon. Yeah, I remember Icon. Icon bought out, yeah, they bought, uh, they bought five of the seven dealers here in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And I happened to work for one who would not sell to them. Oh, okay. One of the and, two. I was told that the boss had said they had come in and basically handed him a blank check and he just wouldn't fill it out. Oh, wow. He just, he said, no, I, my dad built the business. I'm running the business. I'm not about to give it up. So, I mean, things like that. It's interesting that that happened. Yeah. Um, but here's the weird thing because this ended up screwing these giant companies like Icon, I, they could not have made their money back. I, there's no way they could have. Because within five years, uh, 
companies like Canon, uh, Rico, uh, Toshiba decided we're not going to use dealers anymore. We're going to open up these giant, uh, I don't know, service centers or not even service because they sold and uh, serviced. But they would open up these giant offices in each city. And so they had decided we're going directly to the customer. So we're not going to use dealers anymore. And I guess maybe they did that in, in anticipation of the fact that um, these big buyers like like Staples and stuff like that were going to buy so much and then make it hard on the dealers anyway. Uh-huh. I don't know. It's And maybe they thought, well, if you're going to undercut our dealers, we're just going to go undercut you. And But the job market changed, you know? You had a bunch of guys working for office supply stores, then they're working for office dealers, and now they're either independents or they're working directly for the companies. But all the jobs are still the same. You still got a bunch of guys going around from business to business fixing machines. But around that time, the technology also changed because you had, let's say... A given office uh, building, a, a small business might have, say, 10 offices in it, each guy doing his own thing. And, of course, you know, I guess I'm jumping ahead of myself because around this time is when printers came into existence. Oh, as a... You know? Yeah. I mean, that was a big deal. And I remember the first printer uh, me and Dad were trained on and we're... We're looking at this and, and what they had done for this printer was they took a copier and they took the optics out of it and they just put a giant laser system in there. Uh huh. And I'm looking at, it, I'm thinking, well, if you can do that, then why have all these separate machines for scanning, for printing, for faxing? Shouldn't that all just go together? <laughs> and of course, like, Three years later, that's what that's, it was. Uh, that's what they have. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it, so all the guys who worked on copiers are now working on printers, but that changed too because, um, these corporations found out that instead of buying, okay. So there were still a lot of smaller guys out selling these printers and you'd have an office with say, or a building with say 10 offices in it. Um, and there's at least five printers because, you know, cause I, when I print something, I don't want to have to walk down the hall to, to get it. So I have a little printer right by my desk and I just print it there. And then if I got a really big job, I'll go to the big printer or the big copier. Yeah. And, um, in that way, people like Canon were able to sell their big printers, but people like, uh, dad or any of the, sp- the smaller dealers were able to keep on existing because people wanted those printers as well. Oh, right. The smaller ones. And they all needed someone to fix them. So a lot of these smaller guys were able to hold on because of these smaller printers. But the, the, the giant corporations figured, wait a minute, that money should be ours. So they, would show companies how much money they're wasting with these smaller uh, printers and say, just buy this one. And since it's all digital now, 
there's no reason why you have to walk, why you should have your own copier. You can cut costs by just sending all the print jobs to this big one, and the big one will automatically separate the jobs, and it's not going to be difficult, and it's not going to be confusing for anyone, and you'll save a ton of money, which people did, you know? I mean, and that's how the little guy kind of got pushed out of that whole industry altogether. Kind of. Yeah. Because there was also cartridges and cartridge refillers. I mean, that was a that was a big business for like almost 10 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know that? There were like industry associations of cartridge remanufacturers and stuff like that. Yeah, and there, and there were fights. You know, HP was trying to say, you can't copy our cartridges. And there were lawsuits and there were... There were wins on and losses on both sides, but either way, you can go buy generic cartridges for almost any machine. Right. Um, and so a lot of guys were doing that, but eventually that got pushed out too, both with combining everything to the big printers, but also because uh, Staples and uh, Office Depot and Office, what was it? What was the other one? Office Max. Office Max. Yeah, yeah those now, were the three all, big ones. And they're, they're all just one thing now, I think. Staples might be different, yeah. but Office Depot, Office Max are together. Yeah, those they, they did go together. Um, and so all the guys who were refilling cartridges, still just barely hanging on, eventually lost out on that because they uh, they couldn't remanufacture them for less money than Staples was selling them. Right. But, uh, but you know, the funny thing is that now that Staples taking this industry and pushing all the little guys out, guess what? People are printing less and less. So yeah. Staples and Office Depot suddenly become irrelevant almost. And if you, I remember when I, in the nineties, I remember, uh, they, that's when they first started talking about paperless offices and, I remember hearing some of my bosses sitting around talking and they were so arrogant, arrogant. They, they talked about how the fact that every time, um, every step we take getting away from paper, paper consumption goes up. So oh. when people start using email, suddenly they're using more paper, proving to all the big wigs that we don't have to worry about it. Um, People are never going to stop printing because people want a paper copy. But, um, you know, years later, after Office Depot and Staples have pushed all the little guys out of the business, guess what? People stop printing. Aside the fact that uh, it's easier to get your cartridges from Amazon now than it is <laughs> Staples. Yeah. So Staples, I mean, if you go to Staples, their prices are twice as much as what you'd pay at Amazon. Yeah, I I, I honestly think that that Staples and, and Office Max Office Depot, I I think probably half their annual profits uh, or annual revenues come from um, all of the, the back to school um, yeah. craziness. Tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, there were a lot of guys who were put out of business by all yeah, that. Yeah, because of them. Yep. But 
they're getting put out of business not only by Staples taking their um, business from them, but because people really are moving to computers instead of printers and copiers. Instead of paper, right. I, and, and, you know, we had heard stories about it in the 90s, but by the time we get to 2000, it's actually happening. Offices really are going paperless. I personally have not mailed a letter probably in three or four years. And mm. I, I'm a printer repair guy. Yeah. So, um, and, and guess what? Someone needs to fix computers too. Well, that's true. Kind of. Oh, yeah. That's... It depends. But it, it, but offices who are going to rely on the computer instead of having a paper copy need some kind of way of integrating those things and making sure they don't lose those things, you know? And so it's, it's more jobs. Yeah. I mean, you've got, you know, a lot of companies maybe above a certain size might have their own IT, say, department that manages all that. But, but for a lot of uh, smaller companies, you, you've got these IT companies who smaller companies can contract out, um, or like say schools or whatever. And then mm-hmm. they just manage the, the network infrastructure and everything. But keep, even if keep keeping everything running, but either way, whether, whether I work for American Ooh. insurance and I hire a whole team of IT guys or I'm, uh, oh, an, an IT guy who right. depend, want to go independent, either way, job. <laughs> the jobs are still there. Yeah. They, they, it changes who you're working for and, but, and the work you're doing changes because of, uh, technology well, and that's, that stuff's going to happen organically. But either way, the jobs are still there. It just changes yeah, how it works. Right. And sometimes and, they're different jobs. Yeah. But they're in the same line. I guess I, I will admit working on a typewriter is a lot different than working on a computer. But I, I think the same kind of people lean in that direction. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. I know it doesn't. I know it doesn't seem like it. And if you're mechanically inclined, um, then you're probably not. Um, I don't know, software inclined. But I don't believe that. I think it's just maybe you got stuck in one direction at an early age, but um, you've still got. The, that logical way of looking at things. And so whether you're looking at communications or a lever that moves in one way or another, I think it's the same kind of uh, person who can be an IT or an office repair guy. I just, I mean, if you get locked into it at an early age, then you're kind of stuck in it your whole life and you have a hard, it'd be hard to transition from one to the other. Right. But I'm just pointing out that the jobs don't disappear. They just change. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and, and right now it seems like because, because I, I've been working as an independent office repairman for the past 10 years. Um, when COVID hit, my business literally stopped. Oh man. Yeah. And, and it hasn't. It bounced back a little bit. But once offices found out they don't have to print stuff, 
Why would you go back? Right. So, yeah, it stopped. And it's probably gone now. I'm still maintaining it, but, um, but it's changing. I gotta find something else to do. But the jobs are still there. There's still jobs. Somebody's gotta set up all these computers, you know? Um, and I'm just, I'm looking at this span of, let's see, 50, 60, 70 years. One industry, every, every time there's some kind of revolution, it seems like, oh no, all our jobs are gone. But here we are 70 years later, uh, once again thinking, oh no, all our jobs are gone. But the jobs are not gone. Yeah, they're still there. Over and over again, they just changed, but they didn't disappear. And when I'm looking at people say, oh no, the cars are going to drive themselves. That doesn't mean the jobs are gone. They just change. It's not anything to worry about. You know, when um, yeah. you see it a lot in manufacturing, too. Go ahead. Oh, okay. no, I was, I was just going to say that I it, I, um, I think there's a, a sort of a natural um, ecology almost um, to human work. Um, because with with the um, available technology, especially with communications and computers and that kind of stuff, there's a natural inclination for those things that have been around longer to start getting consolidated into fewer, larger suppliers, say, of various services. As yeah. those services get better understood, as as the rules behind those services, you know, can be automated so that you don't need as much direct personal decision-making, um... And that sort of thing. And, and, and there are always certain kinds of services that, you know, maybe will never be susceptible to that. But, but I think it's sort of natural for that to happen. But every time that happens in a sort of, uh, revolutionary way, in a way that, that seems to sort of kind of transform a certain part of an industry, it seems to, to create a lot of space for new kinds of services to be introduced by, you know, those who, who have the ability to identify it, right. you know, by, by entrepreneurs and, and stuff. And I, I think it's, it's just kind of a natural way of the world for entrepreneurs to come up with new things to be able to provide people new ways of being able to provide stuff to people, you know, services and things that they need. Yeah. Um, and eventually for that to catch on and sort of be, you know, pulled up by larger companies. But I don't know that, that there's any particular reason to think that that, that eco cycle ever has to, um, end. You know, it's not like there's some right. terminus of, of human technological development that, that it's going, okay, well, now there's nothing more to do. Nobody has to work. You know, <laughs> I, I just yeah, don't see that ever. Said- happening it's it's a one of the twilight zones i think they kept they kept laying people off because they could make the machines do more and more until uh-huh. the manager himself uh he could finally the computer could finally take his job and so nobody worked for the company it was all run by computers um but look it you know i i go to factories here and there and and they'll show me the robots that are doing this work. And he would show me a, a certain thing being made or whatever. And he would say it used to be 
10 guys standing here just doing what that one robot's doing. Yeah. Picking stuff up and putting it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can see that because they were big things. But, and, and now he's basically got this kind of empty factory. But what I would point out is that this is all happening in America as the industry changes and the factories are more and more automated. Look, what I would point out is that our population did not decrease. Our population has increased from the time of the American Revolution. Yeah. We have the jobs. Our jobs haven't decreased either. We continue to have jobs. So if if the automation is destroying jobs, then where the heck is everyone working? You know? Yeah. And 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 I I think that if you were to take all of the you know, I know we all think the government is bloated, but take the yeah. government jobs out of the picture. We still have well, then we'd have yeah we still have more jobs. I mean that, that that's and the if, point is you can't yeah. blame the you can't say, Oh, well all the all the people who normally you know, ought to have jobs. They were just absorbed into the government bloat. No, it's, it, I mean, yeah, the government is bloated, but it, not that, not to that degree. Right. Cause I, I think about stands. my, my circle of friends and the people that I'm not just friends, but just the people I know. I don't, I don't know if I know anyone who works for the government, maybe one or two people. <sighs> we know a couple of post office workers. Okay, UPS, yeah, or USPS, not, yeah, but um, that's yeah, here and there. So we know, but but not mm-hmm. not even that's a. I I only half consider that a government job. Well, yeah, because the post office they has do actually to work support itself too. They yeah they, they uh, from what I understand, I mean it's subsidized, but I had understood that they weren't. I thought they were that their uh, money is all from. That, that that all of their operating expenses have to be generated by their revenue, and so their their whole postal cost system has to support that. That's what I. Thought. I guess I'm, that's maybe why they why they seem adamant about competing with FedEx and UPS, and oh, instead right. of just allowing their prices to mm-hmm. go up while UPS goes down. Yeah, but yeah, that could be okay. Well, either way. Uh, the postal workers I know actually do work as opposed to sitting on an office telling other people what to do all day. But, and the post um, office serves serves a legitimate and that's, function in society. Yeah. <laughs> Unlike a yeah, lot they, of other government work. Yeah. Um so I mean, as as we keep losing jobs, we seem to be gaining them somewhere. The only the only danger I would point toward is something that has been happening and continues to happen and I don't really have a solution for is our jobs being uh, farmed out to either A, other countries because it's cheaper when when you can hire slaves to do your job, it's a lot cheaper you know? Yeah. If I can get a slave to manufacture something then it's cheaper than paying an American to do it and um unfortunately this same thing uh when when people come to america and they're afraid of being sent away so they will agree to work for slave wages 
I think that's also a danger that uh, drive a lot of people out of business. And I, and I don't know what the solution to that is. I do think that drives unemployment up. Yeah. At, yeah. To a, an alarming degree. But if we took the government's role in both of those things out, I, I, I think there's just no reason to fear, number one, the, the technology that's allowing us to do more things with less inter- human interference. And number two, the natural um, centralization of that to giant companies like, but I mean, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to act like it was okay for the federal government or even state governors to put thousands of small businesses out of business so that they could transfer all that business to Amazon. I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm ignoring that, you know, cause that was, you know, in the past two years with COVID and stuff like that, that was just criminal. Right. Right. And, but barring that, I don't think it's something to fear. And while companies like Walmart, well, I'm not going to talk about them because that's, that's a, that's a show within that's a, itself. Yeah. That's a different sort but, of, <laughs> but we'll talk about staples. Mm-hmm. Companies like staples buying in bulk and selling cheaper and making it to where, uh, you know, thousands of small business owners around America who had been supplying their cities with office supplies for years suddenly find themselves out of business. But staples didn't last very long. And it's not just because of the changing technology. It's because of people like Amazon. But if you go to Amazon and you buy certain cartridges or office products, you'll notice that you're not necessarily buying them from Amazon. Oh, right, right. You're, Amazon itself has this whole marketplace. Right. So, again, you're buying it from even smaller businessmen. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because it, it yeah. went from a, a business owner who might employ like 50 technicians and and uh, 20 salesmen uh, to Staples and now back to a bunch of independent guys who are just selling certain things, mm-hmm. you know? Right. So the jobs continue to be there, and I think they'll continue to be there if the government would quit making idiotic decisions and quit uh, quit purposely destroying the small businesses that are there. For example, a lot of these restaurants that have closed now, um, I mean... Yeah. I, mean, I don't know what to say about that, but. No, I mean, you know, chains like, uh, Texas Roadhouse, you know, they managed to stay open while a lot of individual people who sank their money into, you know, a, uh, a, a bar or a restaurant or something and that, that was kind of their, you know, the, their, uh, sort of life dream. And then suddenly they had to close it. Well, you know, that, the the restaurant ecosystem was working just fine until the massive government intervention the interference yeah that was uh um even with blamed on covid even with these giant corporations like McDonald's Subway yeah you know a lot of those are uh, franchises that's true these are business owners this is legitimate business owner and 
So it, the business is split up, you know, it's, and, and, and a guy can build his business, even marketing it under a giant corporate name. It's still his business. Now I don't, but I, I don't know what to say about these closures and how that's going to work out. I think, I think, uh, I think we still don't know what, how bad it's going to be because of those, of closing the entire nation down. I, we're yeah. still, I don't think people still know feeling the what effects that did of yet. That, and we're still figuring out the effects of that. Right. For example, uh, you know, I was going to demo a machine today, um, and it, it, an envelope stuffer, inserter, but, um, and we needed some envelopes that we could, you know, show the customer this is how it works. So we needed a bunch of envelopes. We couldn't buy envelopes. <laughs> Did you try staples? The, <laughs> but a lot of businesses are rationed their paper products. Oh, right, right. Okay. You can only buy so much paper right now. A lot of people don't know that. Because, oh, yeah, you can go to Kroger's wow. and you can buy a ream of paper. Mm-hmm. But if you're, say, a copy center or uh, some a printer, and you need to you're buy only pallet. allowed to buy so much paper oh, right okay. now. Wow. It's being rationed. Hmm. I you don't feel things like that yet. No, but yeah. I have a feeling. I have a feeling that's headed somewhere. Something's hmm. going to happen, and I I think a lot of uh, uh, inflation that we're seeing right now is because of things like that. Okay, and I know certain machine parts that you used to be able to buy them overnight for say fifty bucks, and now you can. Spend two hundred bucks, and you're lucky to get them by the end of the month. Wow! Um, you know, certain kinds of say power supplies or certain boards. You know, it it's kind of weird the way this is playing out. But all the inflation, I think, is due to things like that. That the customer doesn't, you know, the the end user doesn't actually see. But um, I guess that, that that's off topic. I'm just saying that. You don't have to be scared of technology and you don't have to be scared of that the natural seemingly natural of business. Yeah. Right. And so these giant companies, they do get bigger. They do undercut the smaller guy. And maybe that specific guy needs to worry. <laughs> yeah. He needs to be a little I more mean, agile. Yeah. So, or smarter about what direction the industry is headed mm-hmm. and how he can, but. That's okay too, because businesses start and they end, and sometimes they're handed down for generations. But you'll notice usually when that happens, the younger generations tend to not do as good a job as their fathers did. Um, so it's okay for some of these businesses to just go out of business, and yeah, it, yeah, it sucks. You know, a hundred, two hundred people lost their jobs, but other businesses come along who are a little bit smarter about it and they it's okay they hire the jobs are still here Mm -hmm. you got to worry about your job but you don't have to worry about jobs in general i think is the way to phrase this yeah no i I agree anything else to say no i think that we've kind of exhausted the topic um yeah and uh that's that you know the thing is it's um, it's kind of rare to find, um, opinions 
I guess being expressed out there that are not knee jerk in some way about stuff like this. Um, yeah, the doom and gloom and you've for got, example, you've uh, got, <clears throat> go ahead. Well, I was going to say you've got doom and gloom on the one hand about how things are going, and then on the other hand, you've got you know nutballs who who think that that there's going to be some kind of technological revolution that makes it so that nobody has to work anymore. And they think that's yeah, going to be wonderful. Yeah, um, that, yeah like we're <laughs> for some reason we're going to uh, be able to just sit and not do anything and enjoy ourselves all day while machines take care of us. And uh, I don't know. I mean, look, mm-hmm. it's in the Bible. If you don't work, you don't eat. Yeah, that's that's man it, has to work for his. It, it's just it's part well, of life. Th- think of it this way. God created. That's what the Bible opens with is God creating. He created the yeah. earth. He, he worked. He labored for six days. We were made in the image of God. Well, yeah. then why should we not expect that we have to work? Uh, right. I never now, thought work, of that. Work can be enjoyable. It, work doesn't have to mean misery. Um, but we should expect that, that we have to work. And in fact, we should expect that if we're not working, we're probably going to be pretty unhappy. You know, not to, I mean, taking that even a step further, um, before the fall, man was given work to do. Yeah. He had to this tend before the we garden. Said. Not, not, not just enjoy the garden, but to tend the garden. Yeah. And after the fall, the, what changed is that that work would become difficult. Yeah. And in many cases, unfruitful. Yeah. Um, Tucker Carlson. I mean, he's he's a pretty smart guy, you know, and he's pretty conservative. Yeah. I remember seeing him a a video uh, with him talking about the automation of everything and talking about how it would be better right now for governments to step in to somehow create the situation where machines don't take all of our jobs. Oh, okay. You know, someone as smart as him is kind of, uh, I don't, it's just odd to me that people are so worried about this. Yeah. And yet, if you look a hundred years ago, people were worried about the same thing. Yeah. That's what the whole John Ludd, uh, movement. Yeah, it was like we should. Where the Luddites came from. We should not advance because people are going to lose their jobs, and we have advanced ever since. And there are more people now than there used to be, and we all got jobs. Well, I mean, there's some unemployment rate, sure. Two years ago, but yeah, yeah. before Biden, we all had jobs. (laughs) Yeah, before Biden, you know, I hate to point this out, but it wasn't Biden who shut the nation down. No, I know. And it it pains me to say this, but Trump should it have was been Trump smarter. who did that. Trump should have been smarter about that. And it makes me a little bit suspicious of the whole thing. Before before the COVID thing, we all had jobs. We'll say that. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Um, I was just thinking of something. I don't know. Who cares? Uh, but, you know, the, as, as things got easy... Oh, this idea of resisting technology because it will take um 
for weird reasons. Either it'll take our jobs or it will make other things easier to have. I would, have you looked into 5G? Oh, the uh, networking? The I mean, the cellular? Yeah. Uh, not, yeah. I haven't researched anything about it. People are so scared of it. Why? I don't know. Huh. And, you know, I there are some people making what I think are outrageous claims about the health. But, you know, people made those claims about almost everything. You know, microwaves, people said that was going to kill you. Uh, communication through microwaves. Oh, um, right. You know, radio waves, all these things are going to destroy our health. And yet it really didn't do anything well, to our health. People have been saying that um, cell phones will give you cancer by carrying yeah, it in your Yeah, cell phones are going to give you like cancer. And, um, but the 5G, it's also what people claim is going to be an encroachment on our, uh, privacy. Oh. But huh. if you hear out the argument out, it's because 5G is so much faster, it allows more things to communicate and stay in communication at real time. So the argument, um, the argument doesn't make sense because all the things that were there with 4G are going to be the same. All that's happening is it's faster. Nothing new happens that makes it more evil or invasive. If you could use 5 yeah, if you can use 5G to do this, you could have done it with two, uh, 4G as well. You just wouldn't have been able to do it as well. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, I don't know. I, I never really... I'm bringing that up because we're talking about technology and resisting technology for the sake of saving jobs. But I also listened to a podcast today specifically about 5G and... I've been hearing that rumbling for a long time and I never took the time to listen to the argument and today I did and it's a it's a dumb argument. <laughs> it's 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 not a good argument. Yeah. It's, it's just and I 5G like all these other technologies is not something you have to be afraid of. Uh I mean embrace it and learn what your next job is going to be cuz the jobs are still going to be there. Yep. All these 5G towers they got to be maintained. That's right. Somebody's got to go up there. Somebody's got to do it. All these self-driving cars. They still need all the mechanics. What? Yeah. I'll tell you what. If I, if I had a career choice right now, if I were 18, I'd be working on cars. Yeah. That that would be the thing to do. Or drones. I don't know. Um, I, I think that's about all we got. Okay. Well, how about current right. events? There's a lot going on in the world. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna split this up. Um, okay, I'm gonna split this up into two sections. There's Russia stuff, and then everything else. Um, if you've been listening to our podcast, you know that we're not necessarily uh, pro Russia or anything. We still think that they're an evil nation. Um, led by an evil dictator. But what they're claiming on the local news is not really what's happening. They're they're leaving something out. And I haven't quite figured out... 
I don't know what's really going on there, but I do know that the reports you're getting are not what's going on. So, and, and this comes from the fact that there's a lot of people in these areas who are living under very, very corrupt, uh, governors and mayors or whoever, however they distribute this leadership there. Um, and they're tired of it and they don't like it. And they want a giant country like Russia to come in and clean it up. Not that I think Russia's going to clean it up, but it's not the way they're reporting it as in this poor country with a bunch of people who want their freedom and broke off from the USSR and now are being swallowed up by this giant evil country, Russia. It's not quite that way. No. Yeah, it's no, not it's, it's an more attack. complicated than that. So that's the direction we're coming from anyway. Um, so I'll get on with uh, the news. As I read it throughout the week, I, I, each week I read all the news things that I'm going to talk about. And so I'm coming up with these one at a time. And so this is kind of how this progressed. Uh, last week, Russia had finally attacked. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the U.S. Department of Defense, you know, like three or four days after the attack, is claiming that Russia is losing its momentum. I see no signs of that at all. Um, there's an emergency NATO summit, and uh, Secretary General announces that NATO will provide weapons to Ukraine. Um Everybody's providing weapons to Ukraine. Everybody told Ukraine, we got your back. And then everybody moved their armed military out of Ukraine into places like Poland. And now they're sending weapons to Ukraine. But nobody is fighting for Ukraine. I think that's telling. I think that says something. Um, but the thing is, there's a NATO response force which will be activated for the first time in history. This oh. is supposed to be an actual military force, but I... Is it I, supposed to be joint? Like, will U.S. soldiers yeah, be involved? Yeah. I really don't... I don't see that going anywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean... Oh, yeah, what are they going to do? Counter-invade Ukraine? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's dumb. Uh, so, the Ukrainian president is uh, screaming at the Europeans... Uh, because they're not doing anything in the face of Russian invasion. He's saying this is inaction. Yeah, you send me a few uh, tanks and a few uh, airplanes, so what? Uh, he's saying this is like World War II, and if you don't respond now, you're going to be dealing with a much bigger problem. Um, and, you know, he, from his position, may be a little bit justified in taking exception with the inaction um, if in in the various talks he had been led to believe that these NATO countries had Ukraine's back, had his back, had the, right. the Ukrainian government's back against Russia. Especially in light of the, the fact that we kind of de-weaponized them, you know? Mm-hmm. We said, you don't have to buy weapons, we'll protect you. And now Russia's, oh, well, here's some more weapons. And it's like, Oh, we don't even know how to use these things. We don't really have an army the way we would have if we had been building our forces all along. Mm-hmm. So there is that take on it. 
Uh, Putin's urging uh, Ukrainians to take power into their own hands and overthrow this corrupt government. Uh, he refers to the Ukrainian government as a gang of drug addicts and neo-Nazis. Hmm. I don't know anything about the Ukrainian government. I yeah. do know that it's corrupt. And I know that, you know, Biden had his own little dealing with them, remember? Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the Biden he family about made a lot of money uh, in, under the cover of Ukrainian corruption. Mm-hmm. Um, the Russian foreign ministry spokesperson is warning Finland and Sweden that they could face detrimental military and political consequences if they attempt to join NATO. And I don't mean if... I guess he means if they join NATO in their actions against Russia. Oh, regarding... Okay, Russia. yeah, okay. I guess that's what he, they mean. Um, Russian Navy warns all civilian ships and vessels attempting to approach the Ukrainian Black Sea coast will be destroyed as terrorists. So, I guess if if you're out there on the sea and you come in, start going towards shore, especially, say, to a port or to a Russian-controlled area, they're going to assume you're trying to blow them up. So, and they'll blow you up. Uh, so don't... Which kind of makes sense because that's how a lot of them do it. Yeah. I mean, that's how terrorists do it. So... Uh, Poland is saying that around 100,000 Ukrainians have uh, crossed the border since the invasion began. Mm-hmm. Um, like refugees? Yeah, refugees. Uh, United Nations is reporting 368,000 refugees. Um, you know... Is that total, Poland, with, along with other nations? I guess that's what that is. On the Ukrainian border? Yeah, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to that subject in a little bit. These refugees, uh, and I got a, a couple weird ones that just kind of made me stop and scratch my head. Israeli Prime Minister offers to mediate a ceasefire between Russia and Ukraine. Why would he hmm. do that? And then the Turkish president is saying that Turkey's making efforts for an immediate ceasefire between Ukraine and Russia. All these other governments are trying to act like I don't I don't know why they're why is it just people wanting camera time or what is it? Why are these why do they think they're going to be the ones to delegate to, peace? Yeah, to make anything happen. Um a Russia Russia did agree to sit for some peace talks. Uh in Belarus, which okay. is, I should look this up. Where is Belarus is? Let me look at that on the map. Okay, so it, it Belarus is north of Ukraine, uh, between say Lithuania and Ukraine, um, and they're also bordering on Poland. I guess they're more friendly to Russia because. Um, because at first, the Ukrainians are like, we're not going to talk in Belarus, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, okay. That's like that's like talking in Russia. Yeah. And But eventually, they do send delegations to uh, Belarus for talks. And, you know, this is only a week into the war. And then 
It's weird to think that <coughs> that Russia is going to be ready to sit for a peace talk a week into the war. I mean, unless the peace talk just, is a surrender. Yeah, but they talked, and then the delegations went back to their people, and I guess we'll oh, see what oh, happens okay. after that. But Putin is uh, issuing orders to expand the offensive, saying that the peace talks were dead. Oh, okay. Well, you know, if the aggressor says the peace talks are dead, uh, yeah, then they pretty much are dead. Yeah. So unless there's new things like, hey, we're ready to surrender, then the peace talks are dead. Uh, okay, then I got a bunch of these little stories. Russia forces... Uh, Sorry, I read that wrong. So Russia shells uh, a city of Sartana and the nearby village of Buhas, killing 10 Greek nationals. Does that kind of stick out to you as a weird story That's... going on in the middle of a war? Uh, unless and then it's I've got... like specifically just coming out of Greece and Greece is trying to make themselves significant within it. That could be. No, this is Al Alge... Jazeera. Uh, dozens of people are killed and hundreds more injured in a massive MLRS. MLRS, that's multi, that's missile launching something system. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, attack on, uh, Kharkiv. K-H-A-R-K-I-V. And, oh, okay. uh, I think that's like Ukraine's second largest city or something like that after Kiev. Okay. So dozens of people. In, in this major city being missiled, dozens of people are dead. That does not sound like a story. I mean, that the story that they were maybe launching missiles in the city means that they're taking over that city, and, and that might be a story in the evolution of the war. I I just want to bring up some... I mean, it's a tragedy when somebody Here, dies. Let's come up with some this numbers. Is a war. Yeah. Um... Hold on, let me think uh, of how to word this. All right, let me look up this one number. Uh, North Vietnamese civilian deaths resulting from U.S. bombing anywhere between 30 to 65,000 people. You see, uh, rolling... They're saying civilian deaths by... Uh, higher estimates place the number of civilian deaths caused by rolling thunder. That was the operation whereby we bombed North Vietnam up mm -hmm. at 182,000. Okay. Now we've got, uh, dozens. Yeah. You see, you see, how many civilians died when we dropped Hiroshima? Oh, compared right. to dozens. Yeah. Lots more. So I, I'm just, we're try they're trying to vilify Putin for the number of civilians who are dying. I hate to say this, not many civilians are dying. Yeah, well, well if that's the... <laughs> that's, if that's it, the real figure, it's a mismatch maybe it is more. Of, of, I don't know. Like, trying to make that number significant is a mismatch to the story. Dozens of people yeah. are what you you report when, when there's a... a uh, I don't know, a mass One shooting. Bomb. Yeah. Or something like that. We're when, talking about a war. When you're in a war. A battle. You expect thousands every day. Right now, the the last 
check that I... So the war's been in, in going on for a week now. The UN says at least uh, 406... Or no, 406 civilian casualties. The, the UN is saying 227 civilians are dead in Ukraine from these battles. They're saying that it's it that the number is vastly undercount is an undercount but even if it's a vast undercount it's such a small number compared to the number of civilians who normally die during a war yeah this is i don't know what to say this is hype no oh, yeah yeah that's and putin is either it's hype or it's putin's kind of obviously being careful about killing civilians if he wasn't the numbers would be in the tens of thousands yeah that's the not thing. If, in the tens if it's hype it's it's to the extent that it's significant it's significant in, in the wrong direction to what the story is yeah. trying to trying to you know get people to think yeah this that is a significant number because it's so small and it i hate to say this it does it says something good about russia not something bad. Yeah. So they should hide these numbers if they're trying to get a dander against Putin. Because it makes him look like a really good guy. He's trying not to kill people. That's what it tells me. Or that these most of these battles are not real battles. That could be. This is a group of 50 soldiers who know that they're going to be killed. And so they're giving it everything they have. But all of the citizens saying, I'm, I'm not fighting for you guys. We've been waiting for Russia. That could also be happening. Yeah, that's true. There, there could be more internal support for Russia and Ukraine than, than people want to uh, report. Yeah. Cause and so I've got I mean, this. I, you know, that, that, that could be. If, if there are people who need to make Putin look evil, which he is. Um, right. Reporting on... The idea that that you know, let's say a third to a half of the population in, in Ukraine are welcoming Putin and want Russia want to be part of Russia um, doesn't really paint that picture very well, and so right. they need to try to take what's happening and, and turn it and make it you know into uh, you know so, something more yeah. sinister from Putin than. And but but I mean they're forgetting the scale and the context, and for some reason yeah. these people who are reporting this stuff just can't figure out that those don't really match for that kind of narrative that they're trying to tell. Yeah, and the um, the thing is I I'm not I'm not pulling these numbers from you know conspiracy theorists and 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 uh, uh, what's the guy's name I don't know it doesn't matter. I, I'm, I'm, this isn't alternative media. This is the main media saying this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And these are the best numbers they can come up with to try to get us anti-Russia in this whole uh, conflict. Um, and I've got these, even on Fox News, I've got these stories like and some New York politician is holding a gun drive and he's collecting guns and he's going to give them to... Biden, he wants Biden to send them to the Ukrainian citizens so that they could, they've got something to fight the Russian invaders with. That's, 
by itself is the dumbest thing I've That's ever heard. But completely stupid. I mean, you know, if they were free, wouldn't they already have their guns? Yeah, that's true. That's true. They'd already um, have them. If it was such a good... Yeah. Um, and then I've got... same. This is also Fox News. This, this hacker tells how he's trying to help Russia or help Ukraine by fighting via uh, networks. He's going to... He's going to hack and he's going to fight that way. He's going to cyber fight. Oh, and my. In, he starts out by saying that he's behind his Ukrainian uh, uh, military. But the weird thing is that when the attack first started, he headed for, uh, I think, Poland. Hmm. So he's behind Ukraine. He's behind these these little, this, this corrupt government. Yet he's going to Poland to get away from the fighting. And then when he found out that the border was closed now, or at least men are not allowed to go. If you, I, I guess if, if you're going to be a, uh, a refugee, you have to be like a, you know, oh, a lady like a or, woman or a child or something kids. like that. Okay. Yeah. Right. Right. So well, they're well, saying, look, you men need to stay there and fight. That's yeah. the point. So he found out he couldn't run and hide, so now he's coming back, and instead of going out and picking up a gun, he's going to cyber attack them. <laughs> it doesn't sound like these people really have a will to fight the Russians. No. And it doesn't sound like he ever had the will. Um, so I guess I think that demonstrates what I'm thinking about this whole thing. But I guess I'm, I'm just going to go through some of these headlines, you know, as they came to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, European Commission, France, Germany, Italy, and United Kingdom, Canada, and the U.S. agree to remove Russian banks from, from SWIFT. SWIFT is the, you know, oh, international right. yeah. banking system. So more sanctions. Um, Putin says that he puts Russia's nuclear forces on high alert in response to what he said were aggressive statements by NATO. Um, later on, he says that uh, the that the reason he did that was in response to comments made by British Foreign Secretary Liz Truss, but he doesn't say what those were. Um, Belarus, meanwhile, has confirmed that it has revoked its status as a non-nuclear state, oh. which would allow the country to host nuclear weapons. In other words, if Russia wanted to put nukes there, they, they would be allowed. Right. Is what happened. And I guess um, they're doing that in response to the fact that uh, nuclear weapons might be going into Poland, Poland and Lithuania. I guess those were also non-nuclear states, and maybe Russia has reason to believe that they're not now. So, I don't know. The nuclear question, I, I guess most of us don't think that that's really an option for anymore. Right, right. I, it would be a crazy option. I mean, they, we've seen all the movies, you know? <laughs> yeah. And we saw we saw what happened in Hiroshima. So, nobody wants that, I assume. Right. I sure hope. At that, if it's that level of danger right now, then I'd say all we can do is say the rosary. Yeah, let's. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, did you look up that story? 
I did. Yeah, it's legit. Okay, so what what, what was that about? So the uh, Ukrainian um, bishops, and in fact, you can do a search and find out on, on other sites like Catholic News Agency and that kind of stuff. But the Ukrainian bishops are asking Pope Francis to please consecrate Ukraine and Russia to Mary's Immaculate Heart as Mary requested, and they specifically reference this, as Mary requested in Fatima. They are asking the Pope to complete Mary's request for the consecration of Russia. And since I think Ukraine was probably part of Russia at that time, Ukraine as well. I don't, I don't, I don't know yeah. exactly when uh, when Ukraine was. It's odd that this happened. Yeah, but that they asked that because that's what we talked about last week. Uh, yeah, we did kind of talk about that. Um, I mean, that is one thing that would maybe change this whole thing around. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be weird if Pope Francis is the guy who does it? Well, it would. It also kind of opens up questions, um, sort of touching on our main topic from last week which is if pope francis is <coughs> excuse me if pope francis pope. Oh. is in line to eventually be declared an anti-pope but then he's the one who consecrated russia would would the consecration take would that be would it be real wow. yeah but, I don't but if know. he did it that in union weird. with all of the other bishops right because that is what was requested right so, including that the Pope and all the presumably, bishops. you know, Cardinal uh, or Pope Emeritus, whatever it is. Um, yeah, Pope Benedict. Uh, Benedict. Um, so then, you know, may, maybe that aspect of it wouldn't really matter, right? Yeah, I don't think it would. It would but still it would be just an act be of weird the, of the whole church. But it would be weird if yeah, if if he ended up being the one to do that and. Even weirder if, if he also then subsequently was declared an anti-pope. Yeah. But it'd be like, I mean, the, the, even the, everybody's favorite, Pope John Paul II wouldn't do it. Yeah. And yet Pope Francis does it. Yeah, that would that be would really be very strange. strange. But, uh, we, no matter what, should be praying for that. Yeah. That, that is what we should be praying for. Uh, no matter whose side you're on in this or, no matter who you're worried about more, or whether this is a big deal or not, even right, that is something because it is a big deal that Russia has not been consecrated to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Right. Um. So moving on, Russia blocks access to Twitter and parts of Facebook. Uh, this is an odd one. Ukraine sues Russia in the International Court of Justice. Seeking an injunction ordering an immediate end to the Russian military activities. What's that going to do? It's just, I, it's weird that that would even be something anyone thought of. Yeah. Where it's like Russia would be like, oh, okay, damn it, that, that, <laughs> that international judge told us we have to, all right, guys, wrap it up, let's go. Back yeah. to Russia. Uh, European Union and Canada closed their airspaces to Russian aircraft. I think that's kind of weird too. I could see the European Union. Yeah. Are that many Russian aircraft over Canada? Canada? Oh, uh, yeah, because. Um, for Russian. So there's 
if you think of like the globe, we we, we think okay. ter- mainly in terms of uh, traveling east to west because flattened yeah. out it looks that way. But if you think in terms of the globe, going over Canada is the shortest route for a lot of aircraft from Russian uh, wow. space. Wow, yeah, to it get, is. See, so yeah, okay. So yeah, that that that's kind of a big deal. It is a big deal. Okay, so they got they'd have to go all the way down to. But here's the thing: U.S. hasn't hasn't uh, closed our airspace, so like they could still fly into Lagardia or whatever. Kind of odd. Yeah, yeah. Uh, European Union bans Sputnik news agency and RT, uh, which is Russian something, I guess, uh, state-sponsored news outlets uh, because they are uh, promoting what. The European Union considers to be Russian propaganda. So only European propaganda, no Russian propaganda. <laughs> um, that's the rule right, All right. now. Uh, there's a mayor who surrendered the city to the Russians, and it's the mayor of Kupiansk. I I don't know how to say Russian words. They're oh, so yeah. weirdly spelled to me that I usually don't try. Uh, he surrendered to the Russia in exchange for pre, uh, peace. Uh, he's now being indicted for treason by Ukrainian officials. So, yeah, you see, when you when you hear about uh, these Ukrainian mayors and city forces fighting the Russians, mm-hmm. I'm just going to point out here where um, what do you think is going to happen to them if they don't? I mean. Because if the Russians are driven back, anyone who surrendered is going to be in big trouble. Yeah, and I think a lot of these, a lot of these cities, they know this is the last hill, and if they don't die on it, then they're going to die later, no matter what. Because if they give up, the uh, Ukrainians are going to kill them, and if they don't give up, the Russians are going to kill them. I don't know. I just, I think. I think the Ukrainian officials know that they really don't have a choice but to fight. Because let's say, let's say they give up in exchange for peace. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is that a lot of them are so uh, corrupt, they're going to be held on charges by Russian officials later. So there's no reason for them to give up. I think that's happening or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ukrainian president calls for Biden and NATO to impose a no-fly zone over Ukraine. To impose. Uh, and how would they enforce that without having military in Ukraine? Yeah. I guess that's what they really want is for us to have more military presence in Ukraine. Not, They're not talking about a no-Russia fly zone. Oh. They're just saying a no-fly zone. No-fly zone at all. Yeah. Okay. Um, and we have said no. We're gonna. We're not gonna do that. Belarus is expected to directly deploy its armed forces in Ukraine, adding so aiding Russia's invasion. Oh, okay. Um, that's what they said, but our our officials are saying they haven't done it yet. Now here's one breaking from the historic tradition of uh, Swiss neutrality. Switzerland says they're going to adopt all the European Union sanctions. Oh. Immediately. Wow. Um, 
And apparently Swiss banks are believed to hold billions of dollars in Russian funds. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, the Swedish prime minister announces that they will be sending military equipment to Ukraine. So they're no longer neutral. Wow, that's a big thing. Yeah, um, that's all the news I got about Russia. <laughs> and then there's so, the rest of the world. Now to the rest of the world, which apparently nothing happens when there's a big story like this, because I couldn't find much oh. news, but I found a couple things. Um, uh, seven people are killed, 85 others injured in an earthquake in Indonesia. It was a 6.2 magnitude earthquake. Oh, wow. Um, U.S. Department spokesperson Ned Price. Um, wait a minute. This should have been... Oh, okay. No, they will engage with Russia in efforts to re- revive the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action. So... To prevent Iran from getting nuclear weapons. Oh. So despite all this fighting, we're still going to work with Russia to, to try to keep Iran from nukes getting out of Iran. Uh, okay. nukes. Yeah. Uh, which I don't believe that's a real thing anyway. Yeah. I think we practically give them to Iran. I don't, I mean, I just don't, I didn't trust Obama. I sure as heck don't trust uh, Biden or who's ever controlling Biden. Yeah. Um, in Afghanistan, they have reopened the universities to both male and female students. This is for the first time since the Taliban took over. Okay. Hmm. Uh, U.S. House of Representatives votes 422 to 3 to outlaw lynching. Outlaw lynching. Lynching. The Emmett Till Anti-Lynching Act, a bill that would make lynching a federal crime in the U.S. Because, you know... I mean, a lot of lynchers go, go free yeah. because it's not against the law. Yeah. Here's the thing about that. That's not really the federal government's purview. You're right. It, murder is a... Uh, it's a state matter anyway. It's a state. That's, yeah. I don't know, because that... I, I mean, that's an unconstitutional law. It sounds weird to say, but it is. It's an unconstitutional law. I wonder... If the Anti-Lynching Act does more than uh, uh, criminalize lynching, I wonder if, like, if they can somehow point to any specific crime. Let's say you shot someone, but it was over, say, race, mm-hmm. and they would say, "Well, this is against the Anti-Lynching Act, so the federal government is going to be the one to handle this." Could be. I wonder if that's what's going on here. I, it might be, but it's still outside of the, the constitutional yeah. purview of Congress. They simply don't have the authority to make a law like that. Right. I'm saying this is but, how but they're yeah, going to probably, claim to have the power. Yeah, but the what? And what power? Yeah, I know. I mean, it, the, the law itself. It still doesn't fall under congressional powers, even if you spin it that way. Right. Yeah. Let's see. Research published by Nature Journal. Uh, they're saying that a hot Jupiter exoplanet has clouds of metal and rains gems. <laughs> cool. Did we talk about this at some we, point? We did talk about a uh, planet that 
that they think ra- is raining metal because there's there's like the metal is is metal cloud. Oh yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's vaporized um, on the side facing the star, but then there's there's a like a, an edge between the front and the back where it's like um, what do they call yeah. it? condensing and then raining molten metal. And possibly they're saying gems, gems, wow. certain not not just certain metal. gems that are created because of the metals in the air. Wow, like aluminum, I, mean, I think. Just um, <laughs> just imagine how much. Just think if we power could mine. is right there. I mean, it's like my goodness. Think if we could mine that planet <laughs> or the planet's atmosphere, rather. <laughs> yeah, it's just a. a it's an amazing thing, a, a planet I mean, I, being that close to the sun to where it vaporizes metal, mm-hmm. and the planet continuing to exist yeah, at all. I know. That's insane. Um, so I guess the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, uh, they tweeted out, I guess, something that kind of... They were showing the gas prices uh, and... The, the skyrocketing gas prices, blaming it on the Russia-Ukraine war. Oh. As if the gas prices haven't been going up for the past, well, ever since Biden got in, mm-hmm. really. And we're, we're on, you know, we're like up to close to four bucks a gallon again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, I'll tell you what, there is, there is something, um, I think to that, um, Terry had to schedule a um, a flight um, for some work that she's going to be doing later this month, and so once she found out and and it was locked in, and, and so that you know she knows she's going to get reimbursed and everything, she's trying to schedule the flight and she's booking these flights. And while she's on the computer trying to book the flights, it's like minute by minute the price keeps going up for the flights while she's trying to book them. That's insane. It is insane. And I, I think that does have something to do with this war. It might. But uh, gas was expensive before this war. Yeah. And there was no reason to think that it was going to go down because uh, Biden, Biden continues to make it harder yeah. to uh, mine our own resources. Uh, but I did, that's all the news I got. Huh. Okay. Almost all the news was about Russia even when it wasn't about Russia. Right. Yeah. You know, Everything's about uh, Russia right now. Yeah. Um, this, this is kind of something... I, I don't know if you've got, like, your computer, like, um, like immediately available. In front like, of me? Or, yeah. You yeah. look at the map, like you had the yeah. map of Ukraine up. So if you, yeah. if you click on the word Ukraine and then over on the... If you're using Google Maps, over on the left side, it comes up with the, you know, these little things and it has the quick facts from wikipedia do you see that now here's what's kind of funny it says uh ukraine is the second largest country by area in europe after russia russia which it borders on the east and northeast so it's the second largest country after russia but here's the thing so close that uh and get ukraine kind of in the center of your screen and then Okay. Use your mouse wheel and zoom out and scroll over until you get all of Russia on your screen. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's, it's insane. To point out that it's the second largest country after Russia is, like, meaningless here. And, you know, I, I'll point something out here. Um, I mean, I know that you can't always tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you can't really see it the way it really is. But, you know, Russia looks bigger than Africa. It does. That's Russia true. is Look at mostly and, mm-hmm. unfarmable land. I mean, it's just too cold there. Yeah. If global warming were really a problem, that would turn Russia into a giant farmland. It would be... I mean, yeah, it would be. It would be some of the most arable. It would be like like the country with the most arable land in the world. Yeah, and the same thing would happen to Greenland and Canada. Mm-hmm. You know, so there would be some sections that would get kind of hot, and it'd be like, all right, you guys got to move out of there. But huge portions of the planet would suddenly be open to development that weren't. Yeah, yeah. Good point. Good point. All right. All right. Uh, okay, so. If um, if you're getting that annoying phone call, at least if you live in places where apparently you have to, I don't know, register your lottery tickets, you might want to go ahead and answer. A woman in Australia found out that she had won a lottery jackpot more than $70,000. Uh, she had been dodging the phone call for several days huh. thinking that they were scammers. <laughs> That that sounds like me. <laughs> I would I would never believe if somebody called me and told me, "Oh well, Ooh, you've won." Lottery. Oh, okay. I, ju- <laughs> I would imagine you have to look at your ticket and keep track of it, and then uh, you you have to you know in America do it's that you got to do something in 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 America, but in Australia it's in not. A, apparently huh. uh, your ticket is registered or something like that. America. Uh, lottery tickets are um, effectively what would you call them? bearer instruments. Whoever holds it yeah. is the winner. It's not tied to your identity in any way. And if you lose it on yeah. the street and someone else picks it up, guess what? They've got the ticket now. Yeah, that was the whole basis for uh, what was that show? It was funny. Uh, My name is Earl. The whole show was that. Did you thing? ever watch? It? No, I've never watched it. My name is Earl. It's uh, he he's walking along and he finds a lottery ticket. Oh, okay. Is that like uh, one episode, or is that the the foundation of the series? I guess it's kind of the foundation. Is he does something good and he ends up finding the lottery ticket, and then he does something bad and he loses it again, oh. and he figures out <laughs> that karma is after him, so he has to continue to do good things. <laughs> For the series. Okay, okay. So it's him trying to right all the wrongs he did. Right. Yeah, so it's a funny show. I mean, it was the first couple seasons anyway. A little bit raunchy. Mm -hmm. Actually, it's a lot raunchy, but (laughs) it was funny. Okay. All right. uh, My uh, title on this next one takes a little bit of explanation. Um, So first I'll just go with the story. Um, Some Armenian guy... Uh, apparently got, you know, beat the Guinness World Record for the number of pull-ups in one minute from a flying helicopter. Um, well, that's an oddly specific record. Well, it got to me to, it got me to thinking like, uh, uh, that, that they seem to allow really weirdly specific things like that in the records book these yeah. days. Uh, I mean, we had what, egg stacking? Um, and, right. 
it reminded me, I, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie While You Were Sleeping. It's one of those movies yeah. that your wife might make you watch. Anyway, Sandra Bullock and, uh, so the, the guy's, a dude, um, name, I, I forget, his name escapes me, but, but the character is Joe Jr. And yeah, so he's, he's, okay. you know, he's got a thing for Sandra Bullock's character and he's with this girl and he comes across Sandra Bullock and he refers to her as the best looking girl in the whole, uh, building because he's like his dad owns the apartment building or something like yeah. that he says you're the best looking girl in the whole building and the girl she's with slaps him and says hey he says but you're the best looking girl on the third floor <laughs> <laughs> i don't know yeah, it's somehow like, well, these guinness things just could... reminded me of that <laughs> Yeah, because what if I could do more pull-ups? Pull but it wasn't from a flying helicopter on the third floor. <laughs> or yeah, I did the most on the third floor, and my brother did the most on the second floor, and my dad did the most on the first floor. Yeah, <laughs> we have a trifecta of, of Guinness World Guinness Records. World Records. <laughs> That's so dumb. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, my next story, um, a, uh, a Thai restaurant is maybe come up with a ploy to get repeat customers. Um, people have accused it of, um, actually, I don't know if it's Thai or, or, uh, Siamese, the yeah, secret of Siam it's called. Um, anyway, customers think that maybe they've been slipping some THC into their food. Yeah, it is Thai, Thai food. Uh, Thai food, THC, AI, THAI, THC. Oh, maybe that's how they just tell they spell Thai, and everybody misunderstood. You were supposed yeah, to know you're getting THC tainted food, <laughs> right? Did they really put uh, it in uh, the food? Uh, I'm trying to find that part here. So take a survey. Uh, it's it's based on just people well, feeling strangely ill afterward. And then finding out that they did, they did have they, THC. They go in their and they system. test positive yeah. for it. Um, so I guess I mean it could be one of those cases where, like a, a an angry chef, you know, does something to get them in trouble. Oh, that's you yeah, know? that yeah, that that's that's happened. I'm sure. So it could be something like that, or uh, even even someone at a food processing plant. Oh, right. Which, if that's the case, you may see it show up a couple places. I know some guys who work at food processing plants. And they would do that kind of stuff if I they were just, I, I would never, I, I hate eating processed food because of that. I would, I will go to pretty, uh, far extremes to not have to eat processed food. Oh, yeah. Because of these men that I know. Because you have knowing people. No, I, <laughs> If I think about it, but it's been 20 years and I can turn that side of my brain off mm -hmm. that thinks you're eating processed food. This may have been prepared by Joe <laughs> and you know how Joe is. Yeah. But you, yeah, that could have, that's not a, that's not far fetched, you know? Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Could, could be that. And like, like I said, if it's the case, it may show up in, a, in another restaurant too. Or it could be a, Restaurant trying to get return business. Or, or the restaurant might have just thought, hey, we'll get our customers back and uh, 
Maybe they yeah. overdid it on on uh, one of their plates or something. Yeah, you never know. All right, last item. Uh, it appears that somebody thinks that people want to buy a cigar smoked by Michael Jordan. Uh, it is up for auction. Uh, I'm trying to find out how. Uh, really? Yeah. There's a cigar smoked uh, by Michael Michael Jordan. Jordan. Up for us. I'm trying. I, can they prove that it was smoked by him? Complete with photographic proof that he smoked it. He he was a cigar lover. Uh, I'm, okay. tr- I'm trying to figure out how much they expect it to fetch, but it doesn't say. If you were like, say, Michael Jordan's butler, you could collect like, you know, fifty <laughs> of them, and it'd be like, all right, I'm retiring. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. Is unused ticket to the. Uh, Michael Jordan's first game netted four hundred sixty-eight thousand. An unused ticket to to his, to first, his first game. game. Yeah, four hundred sixty-eight thousand uh, dollars. The shoes that he wore, where he broke his foot, mm-hmm. sold for four hundred twenty-two thousand dollars. People are weird. People will buy really weird things, but this was a. Uh, this reminds me of uh, the. Uh, what was the name? Uh, Seinfeld, where um, Kramer found this big movie set in the garbage. Uh-huh. Uh, what, the Lawrence Welk show, I think it was. Okay. He's like, oh, okay, this is... And then he picks up this cigar and puts it in his mouth. This is probably Lawrence Welk's cigar. <laughs> and um, there's another one where George buys a car that used to belong to John Vaught. And... Then he has the pencil that he found in the car, and he's like, these are probably John Vaught's uh, teeth marks on the oh. pencil. <laughs> Am I saying his name right? I don't know. John... I don't know who you're talking about. John Voight. Oh, John Voight. Oh, okay, okay. John Voight. Yeah. The, uh, you know, the, Actor. the mm-hmm. canoe yeah, guy. Know, yeah. With, yeah, Deliverance. Um, anyway, so, and and he's got this car that he's claiming belonged to John Voight, Um it's it's a theme throughout the series okay. for a while, um, but there's a couple things where where people have something that was supposedly owned by someone famous that they're trying to make money on or whatever. But it's just such a dumb thing. I know. It's like I, I just can't imagine somebody paying for a Is cigar that, that's already been smoked. I don't even. I couldn't even see buying autograph things, even if you're a big fan. It's like. I mean, what do you think this does this bring you closer to the person or make you more <laughs> like them or like if you smoke the rest of the cigar, are you going to be able to jump higher or it's just really dumb. Yeah. I can see some things like like the first uh I don't know, the first round of Pong. Remember the Atari oh, yeah. Pong yeah. game with the little paddles? Mm-hmm. If you have one of those, okay, I could see that for going for a lot of money. Right. But if uh, a famous person had played it, it's not like it doubles or triples. It suddenly goes up thousands of dollars. This was John Voight's palm game, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's dumb. And most of these things you could never prove. Right. I mean, you'd have to get some kind of DNA analysis or something to prove that he was actually smoking that cigar. I don't care how many photographs. 
You could buy the same kind of cigar and just claim it's his. Oh, well. <laughs> well, you know, if there's people willing to spend the money, uh, yeah, I, I'd sure be willing to sell it to them. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd be willing to take their money. There's a sucker born every minute and two to take his money. That's right. All right, that is all I have. Okay. I, let me put my little marker in here. Because I have a saying. Um, let me move my microphone so I can see my computer better. Um, nothing flashy. Okay. But, I don't know, I just thought it was interesting. Uh, St. Augustina Petrantoni. P-E-T-R-A-N-T-O-N-I. Augustina Petrantoni. Uh, born in Sabrina, Italy in 1864. Uh, her name originally was Livia. Uh, she had poor parents with ten brothers and sisters. And I guess, as was the custom at the time, she was confirmed at the age of four. Uh, got first communion at the age of 14. Uh, when she's seven years old, she gets a job. I guess they employed just whoever would do the work of carrying stones to to lay a road. Oh, okay. This is in Italy, and, you know, this is in the late 1800s. Um, uh, at the age of 12, she goes away with a group of kids to work in an olive harvest. And I, I guess this happened during the winter. They, I guess they, they harvest olives during the winter, and at age 12, you know, she would leave her family to go harvest olives. Um... There's a report that she once saved her little brother from drowning. I couldn't find any more information to that other than it being mentioned. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that's a big deal. Uh, all of my sisters have at one time or another saved me from drowning. So I don't think that's a big deal. Mm. But it was reported <laughs> there. Uh, she was a beautiful woman and refused a lot of marriage proposals mm-hmm. because... She had decided at a fairly young age that she wanted to join the religious life. Uh, you know, a lot of the town's people accused her of wanting to get out of work, even though she was a hard worker. Uh, she said, no, I'm seeking a congregation so that I can work for God day and night. Uh, so her uncle takes her to Rome to try to join a, a religious order there. I guess the Sisters of Divine Charity. Okay. Um, that's what they're called now. They were called something else then, and I lost that link. Oh. But um, anyway, she went to Rome to whatever, apply, and they refused her. So she goes back home, but she continues to write to them. And then... In 1886, she has sent a letter. Yeah, we do want you to come on out. So she's finally, at the age of 22, she's finally accepted there. Uh, and they give her the name Sister Agostina. Uh, she has something, I don't know if it's a premonition or a vision, where she's given to understand that she will have to uh, uh, saint the name. Because there's no Saint Agostina. Oh, okay. Uh, but she, that's what she makes it her business of doing. Uh, she was sent to work, 
uh, in Rome at a hospital. And this is sent to Santo Spirito. So to me, that looks like Saint Spirit Hospital. Uh, I mean, oh, Holy Spirit. San- holy, Santo okay. is holy. San- yeah. They misspelled it. I think they put S A N T O and they should oh, put S A N C T O. I'll bet. Okay. Okay. Um, and she works there uh, as a nurse until the time of her death. Now, this is at a time that Italy, the, there's controversy, political fighting throughout the nation between socialism, anarchy, and fascism. And all these fight, sides fighting each other. Um, but one thing they all had in common was that they hated the church. And so, because let's face it, the church kind of represented the old world order. And, you know, there's newcomers coming in trying to beat it down. So that area where she, the hospital was, uh, was taken over by anti-Catholic rulers who sent away the priests who had run the hospital and took over that. Um, they wanted to send away the sisters, but then uh, there would be no one to run the church. And uh, the sisters were so good at their jobs that, that the people wanted them there. Um, but the sisters were not allowed to mention Jesus Christ. They weren't allowed to have any kind of religious symbols like crosses, etc., um, and they made life miserable for the sisters there in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, but St. Agostina, Sister Agostina, uh, she found corners of the hospital where she could, number one, where she could pray, number two, where she could take people if she thought the spirit was calling her to and try to convert. Oh, okay. Which is what she did. Um, she started out looking after children. Uh, but she got tuberculosis, and so I guess, you know, you wouldn't be around children if you have uh, tuberculosis. Right. So um, she was moved to help with uh, adults. She was miraculously healed of her tuberculosis, but she continued to work with adults for the rest of her life. Um, she worked with people who were uh, absolutely hostile to the idea of God and Jesus Christ. Um, and she never was uncharitable towards these people. Wow. In particular, there's a guy named Giuseppe uh, Ramanelli who kind of harassed her. And he's his blind mother and his sister would visit him there. And uh, they would later recall that she was always charitable to them, and they had no idea that it was happening. Mm. Um, Ramanelli is finally expelled from the hospital because he was also harassing other people, including the laundry women. Um, but he continues to send Sister Agusta these threatening letters. And one day, Sister Agusta and a co-worker are walking down the steps, and he jumps out from behind the corner and stabs her to death. Wow. Um, the co-worker uh, attests that she forgave the man before she died. Uh, Ramanelli was captured and sentenced to life. A year later, 
he repents and receives the sacraments and then he dies. Oh. But, uh, she, it kind of reminded me a little bit of <clears throat> like an adult version of Maria Gretti. Yeah. Because she was able to forgive her attacker who was eventually attacking her mm-hmm. possibly for the same reasons because, uh, I mean, she was a beautiful woman and here's this nasty guy who, uh, right, right, seems to have latched on to her, her yeah and uh ends up killing her and uh that's 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 all i've got on her she's patron of martyrs abuse victims the poor and nurses hmm. okay saint agostina petron petrontoni petrontoni yeah, Petron Tony. Hope I'm yeah. Saying that last name right <laughs> some people also say agostina livia Oh, okay. you know, because her, her, her given uh, name birth was name Olivia. was Livia. Right. Yeah, um, you forget that you have to uh, even you know these these political battles that are happening and how much you really dislike people like Biden. You forget that you gotta you gotta pray for him. You know, yeah, you gotta you pray gotta be, for those who persecute you. Yeah, and and be charitable and and. You know, the, you never have to, Even bishops. you never have to pray for their causes, but you still have to, right. uh, care for them as people. She was caring for the sick, even though, even the, uh, you know, the ones who were disgusting. Even the ones who were, yeah, who were constantly giving her problems. Um, it, cause it, it can make life miserable when you have to deal with someone every day who, who, for some reason or other, just decided that they're going to make your life hard. Yeah. I, I think we've all been in that situation before. Um, you just you pray for them and you do what you got to do, and then they kill you and you go to heaven. <laughs> so, I mean, it's a win-win. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, um, Saint Augustine, yeah, pray I got. for us. All right. Well. Uh, we talked longer than I thought we would, yeah, but too. Uh, we had a lot to say on Russia. Think about what we said. Yeah, yeah. Um, think about what we said, and as always, circle the beads. Bye, everyone. And we'll see you next week. Whoops. Baby, I got a